Hi, hi everyone. Uh, my name is Nathan Day. Thank you for tuning in. And I'm glad you're listening because this is our, the first episode of my new podcast called Mental Roots. And um, I thought it would be important to have this podcast. And it's, it's amazing how things pan out because obviously this year has um, been filled with so much events or even very recently, you know, with the protests, um, Breonna Taylor and um, George Floyd and all these people who still haven't received justice. Um, I want to make it clear that this is not just an American issue. This is a worldwide issue. And I'm a black Brit. I'm a young, I'm a young person, 22, just finished my degree. Um, and I'm currently working on a short film commissioned by Rural Media New Creatives. Um, with support by the BBC as well. Um, and it's a short film with a spoken word poem to narrate it. Uh, just following the narrative of a young black guy, he is a fictional character, but based on real life experiences from other people. Um, and he's trying to navigate what has contributed to the mental state that I'm currently in. And he's kind of exploring how we, especially as black men, um, should be navigating mental health. And obviously, I want to base this on real experiences. So I'm here today with my first guest, uh, Tayo. Tayo, if you please want to introduce yourself um, to the listeners, say who you are, what you do, um, and then we're going to get straight into it. Yep. Hi, guys. Hi guys. Uh, my name is Hi, Tayo. Tayo. Um, I work at the moment. I'm working in the civil service, but I also have an events and talent management company called Young Future. We're literally just a platform just trying to give people an opportunity to showcase their skills and abilities. Um, and kind of on the side, like I, I do music as well. So it's just kind of been something that I've been passionate about for quite a while. Mm. But yeah, yeah, that's that's basically it. Cool. So um, we're going to get first into Again, just talking about your experience with mental health. So if you just tell your story, say, um, establish the settings, first of all, where you grew up um, and kind of when you first heard of the term mental health, what came across your mind? So um, I don't know. <laughs> these are quite deep <laughs> questions. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. probably would have helped if I sent you these questions beforehand. Ah, it's all right. It's all right. Okay, that's cool. It's probably cool. even better that I'm just asking you because it's Raw an authentic response. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, just take us through how you grew up, where you grew up and your first exposure to the term mental health. So I I was born in London. I was born in East London, um, spent maybe about five years there. Um, and then I basically, my family moved out to the States for about 12 years. So like in, um, in California, you know, Bay Area type of place near San Francisco. So we came back in, what about, in 2011. Um, but we didn't come back and move, live in London. We actually lived outside of London, um, sort of in, in Buckinghamshire area. Um, and now we live in London. But yeah, so that that's kind of you know, the progression over time. And in terms of, you know, hearing about mental health for the first time, I think, you know, it was one of those where you are exposed to various elements of it kind of growing up, but you have no sort of, of awareness of what that means. But I, th I think properly, probably hearing about it was, I, I saw things that were happening with, with sort of people I went to school with, 
Um, so they talk about things that were happening. You know, they tell you, you know, uh, you're bipolar and and all these sorts of things. But it wasn't actually like properly defined until mm. I got to maybe year ten, year eleven. Um, and that's it's. I think it's more so because where we grew up uh, and, and kind of in the areas that I was in, it's not something that people spoke about that much. Mm. Um, so you know, you hear about specific things. But mm. as in, as a whole, as a mm. proper movement, as a, as a, um, I guess, a recognized thing, it wasn't actually spoken about properly until then. Mm. What I'm also wondering is, even the term mental health, to be honest, that's more, that seems to come from more sort of a white culture way of speaking. And yeah. what I'm wondering is, maybe as black people, we talk about mental health without realizing it. We, we talk about going through hard times. We talk about, yeah, I'm just going through it. I'm just going through it right now. Um, you know, so what? also what I want to discuss is what terms did you hear? You know, so with your friends, were they saying, oh, there's, there's a madness going on? Or, you know, what sort of terms did you hear that now in hindsight you can see, okay, those terms were probably related to mental health or indications of how my friends were dealing with things psychologically so um because mm. i feel like that's important you know as black people we have our own way of speaking we have our own way of articulating ourselves so um yeah just kind of give me your thoughts on that it was an interesting thing i had a quite a mixed group of friends mm. and so yeah. in terms of actually if we're, if we're talking strictly about the black people i know even for myself you know i went through things at a young age and just never spoke about it Mm. And that's kind of that's kind of the that that kind of is the theme. People actually not really speaking about stuff that's going on. So even even if you ask how you're doing, yeah, man, we're cool. Things, yeah. you know, we're fine. You know, like it, it was. I, I guess I would say probably from my perspective, it was more so whatever is happening to me stays in the household, and whatever happened is happening to me kind of stays to myself. Or you know, what I mean, um, yeah. and and kind of like the things that you're hearing from people. The most you'll probably hear is that you know there's just just some stuff is going on you know, mm. um, but everything, everything's good but you know there's just some stuff going on that's it that's yeah. that's the extent to which people will talk about things and that that was literally it. Mm. Yeah. So um, yeah, just take us through your personal experience. So the the amazing thing is that just to give some context to those listening, um, we this is the first time we're talking properly. Um, we kind of the way I got in contact with you was through a WhatsApp group that we've got called the CHH Collective. CHH mm. stands for Christian Hip Hop, um, for those who aren't familiar with it. And um, I started, like you said earlier, um, bef probably before we started this recording, um, I joined a short time ago. And yeah, I think there's so many artists, young artists in there, uh, most of whom are black. Um, that And we are all sort of Christians. We are Christians. We are we are interested in music in one way, shape, or form. All of there's a yep. huge range of skill sets in this group chat. And every Saturday we have a Zoom call. Um, so not everyone is in the Zoom call because there's so many people in there. People have their own schedules. Um, and so Tayo is uh, someone I haven't seen that often, but now he's is. I'm I'm glad we're having this conversation because I want to get to know more people in the group. Um, mm. especially as we all not only share the same faith, but we also have lots of 
um, similarities in our ethnic backgrounds as well, in our cultural experiences. A lot of us come from the same areas as well. So um, that's what's helping us to really um, stay close as a community. Um, but yeah, so just to give some context, um, but yeah, just kind of talk us through growing up, were there, was there a certain moment that you realised, okay, I'm not okay, like um, I've taken on quite a lot. Um, just tell us the story leading up to that and then the moment you realised I'm not okay, if, if that's something that happened to you. Um, wow, that's, I'm going to have to see how I can shorten this down. Um, I'll edit, so, I'll edit this later. So. <laughs> if it takes you a while to say things, it's fine. It's fine. Take your time. So I think sort of where it starts or where sort of the first Okay, I have to give background in that I've, I've always been a very, what they say, kind of bubbly confident person. Like, yeah. I'm the type of person that's always been around people, mm-hmm. you know. Um, even growing up, like, my mom would say stuff like, oh, yeah, you used to just go up to random people and start speaking to them, and I'd be so confused. So that's kind <laughs> of, that's, that's me in a nutshell, right? Yeah. Um, and I remember sort of, this is probably around 2007, 2008. Mm. Turn seven, how old was I? Yeah, seven, year eight, around that time. That was the first time that I experienced like anything that's that you can class as depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was just there was at that, at that point in time, there was just a lot of things that were going wrong in in the family. Um, there's a lot of stuff that was just going wrong in in general. Um, I lived in a sort of a predominantly sort of white area as well. Okay. Um, so being being a black kid trying to find your his identity in a uh in a predominantly white area was not easy especially you know having um this is in america by the way so having having nigerian parents um who have a strong sense of identity of being nigerian Mm -hmm. and kind of you know you're at home and you have all your 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 nigerian-ness your nigerian heritage and nigerian culture Mm -hmm. uh, usually that is meant to to kind of help bolster a child and 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 help them to kind of not really care about what's going on in the environment but yeah. i i remember just trying to you know it it was a struggle trying to fit in with with various people and groups not to say that i got bullied or anything like that because that yeah. wasn't the case but it, i just kind of noticed that you know my ideals and the way i thought about things and and actually you know forming these uh, proper relationships was not the same as as i saw with other people so i, I remember i used to think like wow like we're not really the same <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's interesting um and so yeah so as i said there was a lot of issues going on at the time and i remember for the first time um i must have been how old are you at that time like 10 11 12 but i remember feeling so low i was so low i was just like oh, man is this what life is like when are things gonna end i'm just tired of this um tired and then you what, know you, at the time what was it can you remember what is is it you were tired of, or you just remember the feeling more than anything? More so the feeling. Um, I remember that it was. I'm trying to remember it while ago now. Um, sure. Sure. I'm Robert Conti, chief of the Metropolitan Police Department. I have an urgent message. Unfortunately, traffic fatalities have increased in DC, and I need your help to reverse this troubling trend. 
Did you know that using a seatbelt can drastically reduce the risk of death or serious injury to you or a loved one? Seatbelts save lives, and together, we can accomplish a safer community. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Always wear your seatbelt. Click it or tick it. I remember we had we we had, had there was there was basically certain issues that had basically happened in the family where there's a bit of separation. So I didn't see certain family members for for a while. Mm. And, and it was like there was no notice. So it's kind of like your life is changed instantaneously. And every day you're kind of wondering, okay, what's what's gonna come tomorrow? Um and things had basically just started changing, obviously, you know, um going through puberty as well you know you get that rush of testosterone and you're trying to figure out who you are and you're trying to be in society and all those sorts of stuff so yeah th- there was that and I, so I think that was the first time that happened but again I was I was young so it's something yeah. you brush off and yeah. in the African community you don't really talk we don't talk about mental health that's not a thing that that I don't think I ever I don't think I ever 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 had that conversation mm. with anyone um so yeah, so what, you, let's let's just dissect that term because we, what I want to do with this podcast as well is let's actually talk about what we mean when we say mental health. Proper, so, yeah. So yeah. when you say mental health, are you talking about I didn't discuss my true feelings with my parents or the the pressure that I felt or the okay. tiredness? So, so if we just kind of try and pick that apart. Um, so at that time. At, that, time. At that specific time, it was more so the feelings that I felt and the thoughts that I was thinking mm. and kind of where they were going. Because yeah. um, I think there's a preconception that, you know, if you if you talk about those sorts of things, oh, we need to, especially, uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I guess as Christians growing up in the Christian household, sometimes we get things wrong um in in the way that we deal with things so you'll talk about something you'd be like let's go and pray and you know we'll pray for you and and it's kind of like oh yeah but we're not actually dealing with what the issue is mm. so you know i feel like that there's been that issue where we've we've run straight to prayer without forgetting that yeah we are spiritual beings but actually we have emotional needs as well yeah and so and also do you I, reckon there's a fear of judgment as well because oh definitely if you feel like okay I'm going through certain bad thoughts. You're scared of what your parents will think. Because I don't know about you, but I think a lot of black people, especially um, young black people, British people who grew up in African backgrounds, there's this kind of messaging we use. So you, we probably all heard the term, you have to work twice as hard as your peers. Yeah, of course, you know? 100%, that's, 100%. That's constantly drummed in our minds. And there's this pressure that, and obviously you've got the stereotype of many parents saying, we want you to be doctors, lawyers, blah, blah, blah. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm thank, I think one of the, one of the main things, one of the, one of the main reasons why my parents have been different in that regard might be because, I don't know, maybe I've, I've always had a talent for drawing. So even when I was in nursery, you know, they, they, they could just see the talent. So they could, it was undeniable. So it was like, okay, this, this is what our son is doing. Um, whereas for many other young people who it might take them longer to, for them to be able to show what they're good at, um, it can be quite easy for their parents to say, or, or to even it's, it suggest or imply that 
they would be proud of their children if they had certain jobs um or even for me like create i don't really know anyone else in my family that's that creative there's hints of creativity in here and there but i don't know anyone in my family who's full-on pursued it like i'm going all in with the music i'm going all in Mm. with the arts um and i kind of feel like i'm the first one in my family to be very open about it and that's quite hard because when you know when (laughs) even sometimes while it's locked down i'm doing my work sometimes and I, i know that i don't think there's any ill intent behind this but sometimes you know, my mum or dad will say, "Is are you really doing your work?" Are you doing and, work? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. like, not because they don't, not because they deny that I'm working hard, but their their preconceived idea of academia and what it means to work hard is probably something they're still combating in their mind and saying, "Yeah, yeah." I can see my son is good at this, but I don't know. So they, I, I appreciate what my parents are doing yeah. to still support me, even though maybe in their generation or um other people they know in their family were discouraged from doing that like my mom for example she loves architecture she loves home design interior design she she you know she's watching that a lot of the time on tv but she says when she was at school the creative side of her and she she went schooling in ghana which is where we come from yeah she said you know she 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 wished she was more encouraged to um develop her artistry skills um and she kind of got yeah. into science kind of yeah because she had a passion for it but also because it seemed like the the, the, the right, right way, way to, go. to go yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah i went off on a tangent there but also would you say that kind of added to your pressure and you oh, yeah. feeling reluctant to open up because it's like i have to be this you have to hard okay, work I'll, i have to keep going you know. I'll add to that. I'll add to that because mm. I, do you know what? When you when you're thinking about these things, you sometimes don't think about all the different factors that do come into play. Yeah. Because actually, what? How old I was? Young, I was that young, but already I was thinking. You know, obviously we lived in America. Okay, what do what do I need to do to get into Princeton? What do I need to do to get into Yale to Harvard? Yeah. How do I get into Harvard? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't even know what. <laughs> I I don't even know. You know, and you have this like this you must be a doctor, a lawyer, architect sort of thing, mm. because, and I, I mean, I, I get, I get why they did it, yeah. you know, um, I mean, part, some of, some of it was, some of it was security, definitely. Yeah. Some of it was pride, not, not necessarily my parents, but as in, in general, across the board, some of it is pride because you can say my child is a doctor, but mm. traditionally the, the, the ways of working, which were to give you a good uh, salary, etc is your prof- your professions because you're always going to need a doctor you're always going to need a lawyer yeah. having said that it it's they didn't adapt to what was happening the changes in the market and and actually the different ways that people can go and make money yeah. um and there's stereotypes you know, as well right yeah. i think um the, the, i think a lot of it is to do with with perceptions of 100 percent cultures especially hip-hop culture and probably when our parents were growing up hip-hop maybe gangster rap was very prominent back then or whatnot and you know there's certain perceptions about what it means to be in the arts or what it means to be doing this other you know and also understanding that there's new types of careers um, coming up as well um especially in western society we're we're more privy to various types of jobs than they our parents or grandparents might have been aware of in their countries well obviously there are countries as well but 
in their countries when they were growing when up. Living. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and so probably when, even for me, even now, to be perfectly honest, I don't really talk about my music that much with my parents. To your family, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, because there's still that insecurity of like, will they understand it? Will they accept, you know, that you can still love hip-hop culture, but still serve Jesus through it? Um, and still use it in a positive way. Can they do they yeah. really understand it? Can they really understand it the way we understand it? And so even now, there's still certain things within me that I'm trying. And again, I think a lot of it is just fear. I think the fact that we're talking, like you said, talking is a big thing. And maybe if we talked more, we might realize, actually, I thought they were going to react in this way, but they're not, you know. And I've opened up a bit more about my creativity to my parents over the years. And a lot most of the time i'm surprised they're like that's great you know and the gr- the thing that helps as well is that they're god-fearing parents so they mm. can see that god has a plan for every person um but i think especially for black families who do not have that worldview it might be much easier for their it much might be much harder for their children to open up because there aren't those godly principles to help yeah. all people open up yeah, I just t- I just tapped on a lot That's of fine. things. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. That was that was good, man. That was really good. Thank you. Really, really Thank good. And then yeah, just carry we on, have to carry remember on. as well that we are, <laughs> um, you know, we're growing up at that age. It's kind of like I'm a man. Yeah. You're becoming a man. You know those sorts of things. And so there is that. Th- there was an element of, especially at the time, what. Uh, 2007 toxic masculinity I mean it's still a thing now but it it was even worse then Um, 150 years of Children's National Hospital 150 years of groundbreaking research of exceptional healthcare for kids of helping families like mine and yours 150 years stronger with your help please give today Visit childrensnational.org slash 150 years. That's childrensnational.org slash 150 years. Ain't no place like a cowboy place. Ain't no time like a cowboy time. Ain't no way like the cowboy way. Have a cowboy kind of day. Try the new Big Sky Burger at Roy Rogers. It's Smithfield pulled pork, beer battered onion rings, American cheese, and spicy barbecue sauce on a Kaiser bun. Have a cowboy kind of day at a rose, ain't no way you're going wrong. Hey, yeah. DoorDash and Uber Eats available at participating restaurants. And that went across all the different cultures. So it's kind of like, okay, what does a man look like? How, how's a man act? If I talk about this, then I'm, I'm a wussy or I'm a, you know, this and that, or I'm a, you know, so you, you kind of keep those things to yourself because you're always told that, you know, you've got to be strong as a guy. You have to be strong. You know, you've got to be mad, you know, masculine. You've got to be macho. Um, you said so, yeah. cultures. So what particular cultures? So were you a hip hop fan at, <clears throat> even at that age or was it something else? Was it movies? Was this, um, this dissect that a bit? So this was, I mean, obviously in culture, like it, it wasn't just one culture because obviously, as mm. I said, you know, even in the environment that I was in, mm. um, you, you had that toxic masculinity thing going on there, but also, also in the, in the music that we'd started listening to. So yeah, kind of like yourself, you know, I started listening to music more so in secondary school. Mm. So you're hearing about, you know, these kind of, uh, you know, 
these masculine themes of you mm. know men and males and all their girls and all this sort of stuff mm. but i don't think that affected me as much more so than kind of the the environment that i was in and, and even kind of you know um being in a male dominated house because there's mm. how many of, at the time there was there was three of us three males and two mm. females um, uh, and I was the youngest male at the time. Okay. So it's kind of like you had that environment. So, um, yeah, yeah. I think it was more so that the personal sort of environment that you, that I was in that affected me more. Music wasn't that big. Of, it wasn't that big of a deal for me in that respect, in terms of what I was listening to. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I think that's kind of, you know, some of the different pressures that, that would have played a factor. Um, and so, yeah, I remember kind of just going through that period, just being so low, you know, just always being in my room, just always trying to wonder why there was a cloud just over me, you know? Um, and then you, as you do, you kind of pass over. I was, I was fortunate enough to, to kind of be in an environment that allowed me to kind of just get through it. You know, um, I remember there, they, at the time there used to be talk about people, that was when I first started hearing about people committing suicide and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, um, I remember even one guy that I went to school with, he had, um, bless his soul, man, he had gone and actually jumped in front of a train. So I heard about those, I heard about those sorts of things. Mm. Um, but, you know, the conversations that were happening around that were more so like, oh man, this person wasn't strong enough. How can you say something? How could you say something like that? You know, there, there has to clearly, you know, just because you're not going through something, there has to be something that would push someone mentally to that state. And so obviously, like, kind of being young, I just kind of took it as it came and and kind of moved on. So fast forward, I get back to my bubbly self. I'm fine. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm living life, come back to this country. Um, and then just a series of things started happening, man. So mm. um, my parents actually went through the divorce and that, that wasn't great. Um, How old were you like, when divorced? So, I, well, it started when I was 15. Started when I was 15. So that whole process started when I was 15. So I was in my GCSEs. Oh, um, no. Coming back to this, <laughs> like when I took, like, okay, so, okay, let, let me, so we come back halfway mm-hmm. through year 10. Yeah. So this is when we did, uh, GCSEs both in year 10 and 11 mm, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I basically this this, uh, this kind of um, adds to everything that I'm talking about but I basically came back and I basically have to start 13 new subjects Wow. when I say for example yeah. I learned economics, history, mm. uh, graphics, I learned all of these subjects in the space of half a year I'd never done them before, never seen them in my life right, so the, yeah. the pressure, the, the amount of pressure that I was under was yeah. crazy. I was doing like seventeen-hour days re- revising and all Bro. these sorts of stuff. I, my yeah, teachers I were relate. telling me. My teachers were telling me, "Oh, like I need to, uh, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna pass. You're, you're not gonna do well. All this." And so, what, what, your teachers was, were saying that. My te- I remember my economics teacher said, "Oh, you know, you're not gonna get better than a C, even if you try." So. What? Yeah, I remember this was this was this was my parents' day, and my 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 I think it was my mum was with Wait, me at the time. Just out of interest, why did they say that? Were you already quite mis- misbehaving in class or anything like that? Or see all that misbehaving lifestyle that 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 got taken out of me at a young age. They they mm. took that like my ah. school. They did a very good. They took that <laughs> at a very young age. Like mm. 
yeah so i was i was well behaved um yeah. to be fair that i had there, there was um i had a friend who was distracting me they always say oh when you're with this person they distract you etc et yeah, et yeah cool um but it was more so because that of in the itself way. is something we can't overlook because again what i really want to pick on is this it's the small things right it's like the the way the teachers were picking on you what well, you felt at the time that that or maybe it was one was it just that one teacher or other teachers as well um, that one in particular other one there was a couple of other ones that were, and that one my deputy head mm-hmm. um I, I remember my mom wanted to to, to fight him at that point in wow. time and a couple of other teachers i mean most of them were fairly positive but you know it's it's not most yeah. that you pay attention to it's the it's the few it's more, yeah yeah, yeah. Few. so that's what i'm so, saying it's those, it's those little things and um did you notice that for some reason it was just you or certain students like you and to certain other students they weren't acting that way Did, was that something that you noticed so yeah, that 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 comes slightly a bit later, but I'll I'll, I'll touch mm. on it now. Yeah, started yeah. noticing. So I actually I'll touch on it slightly later because it yeah. was the, it was basically the issue of racism. So right. I, I will yeah. do. I'll, yeah, I'll touch with that later. Okay. So I'm doing my 16, 17 hour days, and I remember the first time like the pressure was so much, I actually broke down and started crying for no reason. I was literally studying, like I think I've just done a test or just got done a test and like I didn't do too well. Obviously, like my parents didn't react too well and I just broke down and started crying. Now that was, that was for me was significant because I was I was not the type of person, I'm still not really the type of person to cry like that. We just don't, this is not a thing, we don't cry. We just don't, yeah, we don't have feelings, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, and so I was just like, oh, okay, fair enough keep it moving obviously i'm studying so you keep it moving get through GCSEs, and by god's grace man i came out with with six a's and six b's and i was like you know what it's only by the grace of god because i i don't i don't even know how i did it i don't know in fact that economics i, I was one mark off and they start i remember that wow. i was like god you i was i was angry i was like god why why not just one one mark <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah so you know for me come, like i was slaving away um and yeah. I think I'm, I got out with one A star. Um, that was in art, um, unsurprising. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I think I got six A's and four B's as well. Um, which, you know, at the time, to be honest, it was much easier than how GCSEs are now. So hey. I do take that into account. But yeah, I, I remember looking back and thinking, wow. Like, But I'll talk a bit more about myself later I'll, I'll let you finish yeah man um uh, and then i think it was you know just i just start getting in, in engrossed and and kind of involved in british culture mm. from an outside point of view because obviously i think i didn't live in london like that so it's like the bits that i got you know as i'm mm. going through um and then i got into a like a four-year relationship that was quite toxic mm. um and obviously you don't pay attention to these things and then obviously I'm going through what yes year ten year eleven year twelve year thirteen, and you just start to actually you start to actually pick up on more of the racism. Okay. There's certain things that happened that it wasn't until actually recently that I look back and I'm like, oh wow, mm. these people were actually racist. But there were certain <laughs> situations where I actually had to like, you know, we had to take things up with the with the headmaster because teachers were trying to pick on me for no reason. So you're trying to get me in trouble for no reason. Me, I, me that I'm, you know. <laughs> I've I've already I've been I've been put on notice since year three. I better be on my best behavior at school, or there's gonna be a problem. So, yeah. 
you know, you, you kind of pick up on sort of, and it's the thing is in this country, a lot of it is very subtle. Um, a lot of the jokes, as you were saying earlier on, a lot of the gestures, a lot of is subtle. So th- people can say things and you may not realize. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Come off of that. I'll just, again, a little tangent, but it, even now, like, you said you, you never really experienced bullying, but I experienced bullying when I was in primary school, especially um, around year four. Or so um, this was when, yeah. So this was like the first primary school or second primary school I was in Essex. Um, and looking back, I've realised I've never been bullied by people of my own skin colour. It's always yeah. white boys. That's For my some reason. Right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was... And to be honest, Essex is predominant, or at, at least the area we lived in in Essex, well, I'd say, yeah, for the most part in Essex is very pre- white dominance. There's a lot of white people. There's some areas where there's quite a lot of ethnic mi- um, diversity, but in the area I lived in, there was quite a lot of white people, which I kind of wasn't used to because I hadn't lived in Essex that long. I was about two years in living in Essex. I was about nine years old. And where I used to live in South London, I had a friend, a Nigerian friend in the same flat as me. And even when I went to school, I would see. So I grew up being used to seeing a multitude of ethnicities. And then when moving to Essex, I realized, OK, um, <laughs> this is this is it's really a white same. man's land. Yeah, 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 yeah. So even then, I, I even remember sometimes there was this one kid. Or even in secondary school, actually, even in secondary school, sometimes in the changing rooms after a PE session, there'll be these two or three sort of white boys picking on me. And I'll be like, bro, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And they would imitate me in a freshy accent. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. bro. The weird thing thing is, see, this is the thing about the black experience in Britain. These things, we get so used to it. And I didn't even think about it. I came out of secondary school feeling legendary. I was like, yeah, I've got great grades, blah, blah, blah. But every once in a while, you think back and go, like, rah, like... <laughs> no, you just... Re- I, I just let that I slide. Just, no, but you know what? As you said that now, like, you've just unlocked, like, a million memories that I didn't remember I had. <laughs> wow. Yeah, continue. No, that's that's serious. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I like this back and forth, by the way. Like, you're remem- remembering stuff, I'm remembering stuff. So, um, <laughs> let's, let's jump back to you and your yeah, sick experience. Yeah, wow. So, I'm afraid that is the end of this part of this interview. Um, stay tuned for the next part of the interview in the next episode. Thanks for listening. Peace. This moment of silence for Memorial Day is brought to you by First Command. Thank you to those who gave all. We remember you, today and always. First Command, a financial future worthy of your service. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. 
It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone.